to use a flippant phrase over something that's so horrible, uh, seeing all these mutilated, burned bodies and finding about all the torture and murder that's been going on for the last month in Ukraine, that's not a bug, it's a feature. Now that we know yeah. it's a it's the plan going forward, and if Russia wins, they're going to do this to millions of people. Now that we know that, how does NATO... Well, you're sorry, you're not a NATO country, so... Uh, I guess you're just uh, bad luck for you not being a NATO country. I know you wanted to be a NATO country, but we didn't think your military is good enough. Turns out you are. But anyway, uh, sorry about that. I mean, does that the way the world reacts to yeah. a planned extermination? So it sounds to me like Zelensky's a lot closer to right than I was saying last hour of it being a genocide. That's a that's genocide talk, isn't it? We have to eliminate all these yeah. people until they give up on the idea of it's a country. Oh, yeah, we're going to do absolutely everything it takes until they're on their knees. I mean, that's not necessarily genocide, but it's like it. Yeah, and and in answer to your NATO question, it is literally not our problem, is the response. Pretty much. Man, that is a, that's a conundrum for the world. That is a rough one right there. Now that we know what the intent is, how can you allow Russia to win? Oof. Brutal. Armstrong and Getty. I'm Jack Armstrong. He's Joe Getty. We're the Armstrong and Getty Show. Are you tired of gulping down the lying filth of the mainstream media? Yeah, we are, too. We try to tell you the truth every single day. Gulping down lying filth. Wow. Nobody wants to sound dumb. Our goal is to help you not sound dumb. We'll inform you, and it'll be fun at the same time. You have to choose between entertainment and information. Combine them both with the Armstrong and Getty Show. Armstrong and Getty On Demand. Four episodes available every day via the iHeartRadio app or wherever you download your podcasts. The Armstrong and Getty Show. Putin doesn't care about human life. Uh, We're seeing that from Bucha. But tragically, I'm going to predict something even worse. We're going to see similar kinds of videos when we finally get into Mariupol. uh, And you're going to see the similar kinds of slaughter uh, and similar kinds of destruction. And I want to underscore when we see that, we're going to see that he slaughtered ethnic Russians as well. And I, I say that because he makes the argument to his people that he has come to Ukraine to liberate them from Nazis and especially to liberate uh, the ethnic Russians and the Russian speakers inside the country. In fact, he doesn't care about them at all. That's the former ambassador talking about when they get to these Russia Russian speaking areas, you're going to see the same sort of atrocities that we've been seeing, which I think sets you up perfectly for your stuff. Yeah, Michael McFall is dead right, and I'm afraid, uh, yeah, the the horror has just begun. And here's why. Uh, this is a translation of a piece, an article from the RIA Novosti, which is basically a Kremlin mouthpiece publication. The other day it published a lengthy article titled, What Russia Should Do With Ukraine, which, as uh, author Stephen Pfeiffer noted, quote, calls for denazification of Ukraine and advocates Nazi-like methods to do so. Russia is applying such methods in Mariupol and Bucha. Um, and I'm just going to read this to you now because it sets it up and then it hits you with quotes from the article. The, this manifesto of hate provides a chilling glimpse into the minds of the men who are waging this war of genocide. Quote, uh, oh, the screed argues that every Ukrainian who has taken up arms must be eliminated. Denazification also means the destruction of the idea of Ukraine and its national identity. Whoa, it also I'm, means... I'm not sure I follow that leap. Do you? Oh, yeah, absolutely. That's what Putin said in his rambling speech. There's never been a country named Ukraine. It's part of Russia. This was just an administrative thing at the fall of the Soviet Union. There is no Ukraine. But so to destroy the Nazis, you have to destroy the whole 
concept of the country. Yeah. Well, you're going to have to. a bit of a stretch. You're going to have to kill millions of people to pull that off. I mean, millions. It also means the elimination of the country's political elite and the infliction of all the horrors of war on Ukraine, quote, as a historical lesson and atonement for their guilt. That is a quote from the Kremlin publication. That's wild. So that goes back to 33? Is that the year that Stalin surrounded Ukraine and was going door to door? making sure people didn't have any food, starved millions of people to death, also punishing them for their sins. Man, mm-hmm. the history of Russia punishing punishing Ukrainians by murdering them goes back 100 years at least. Actually, I know czars did the same sort of thing. Here is a quote from the article, from the Kremlin mouthpiece. The Nazis who took our arms should be destroyed to the maximum on the battlefield. No significant distinction should be made between the official forces and the so-called national battalions, as well as the territorial defense that join these two types of military formations. All of them are equally involved in extreme cruelty against the civilian population, equally guilty of the genocide of the Russian people. Do not comply with the laws and customs of war. War criminals and active Nazis should be exemplary and exponentially punished. There must be total removal. Any organization that have associated themselves with the practice of Nazism have been liquidated and banned. However, in addition to the top, a significant part of the masses, which are passive Nazis, accomplices of Nazism, are also guilty. They supported and indulged Nazi power. The just punishment of this part of the population is possible only as bearing the inevitable hardships of a just war against the Nazi system carried out with the utmost care and discretion in relation to civilians. Um, And they go on. So, in other words, we will very carefully figure out who's guilty and who's not. And those who are guilty of even sympathizing with the Nazi regimes will be tortured and slaughtered. What is it about the Russian culture that from Putin to Stalin to various czars, they've had this mindset? Uh, with neighbors. Um, that aside, so what about all the videos that we've seen or read about of the Russian soldiers being captured who had no idea why they were being sent into Ukraine, who were horrified at what was actually going on? I wonder what, we won't know this for years or maybe ever, but what percentage of the Russian military are those people? They thought it was a training exercise. They thought they actually were liberating people from Nazis. Versus the, I guess, higher-up commanders or special forces or whoever it was that were more hardcore believers that, oh, no, we need to punish the, the I'm I'm happy to torture this woman because I know she was uh, abusing Russian-speaking, in my mind, Russian citizens. So she's a bad person. I could do anything to her. I hate her so much. Well, I think if the order comes down from the Kremlin and it's enforced at the uh, high levels of the military, as we discussed earlier, your soul as a soldier just gets deadened. You just, to be able to function, not have a psychic break, you you numb your mind and you find yourself engaged in it. It's unimaginable to those of us who have not been in that sort of horror, but history shows it again and again. Yeah, there's a... According to Jordan Peterson, the best book ever to explain that, I can't remember the title of it now, I'll, I'll, I'll find it out. It's about some uh, some regular people in World War II, I think it was in Poland, like teachers and you know, just regular, regular citizens. They're rounded up and made, the, you're the committee that has to go uh, um, execute all these people. And they they got there. They got there mentally to where they could do it. It's just... 
And Jordan Peterson, if you don't know who he is, he's a clinical psychologist from Canada, and he's a giant YouTube sensation, and he's very controversial. But one of his things that um, he's always on about is recognizing you're capable of this sort of thing, that all human beings are, you're no different, is, is helpful. It's good to know that human beings have this in them so that we can stay away from it. Thinking you're thinking you're incapable of it makes you more uh, more in danger to fall under the sway of really really bad ideas. Right. It reminds me of what they say about uh, drinking or drug use or or whatever habit eating too. Actually, in in people with eating problems, to be intentional, to to understand every time you make a choice that I have made a choice. Not that I'm a good person or a bad person or whatever, so I must do this or I'm automatically doing this. No, understand you've made a choice. And I think I know what he's driving at there. When you do good things, you have made a choice to do good. And when you do bad things, understand and and be honest with yourself. You've made that choice. They didn't make you. Fate didn't make you. You didn't quote unquote have to, except in very rare circumstances. You made a choice. Hmm. Anyway, uh, a couple more chilling notes from this uh, Kremlin publication. The terms of denazification can in no way be less than one generation, which must be born, grow up, and reach maturity under the conditions of denazification, which sounds to me like a very long occupation and the slaughter of any generation that is not down with the uh, Up With Russia plan. Well, like I said, if you're going to actually murder the idea of Ukrainian being a country, you'd have to kill many millions of people. I'm not sure you could even hardly do it without killing practically everybody. Because you kill 5 million Ukrainians, the 35 million that are left are more committed than they've ever been to fighting back. So I don't know how you'd ever accomplish what they're trying to accomplish. You know, the same way, well, they're picturing uh, China. There aren't a lot of uh, guerrilla attacks on the communist Chinese with th- these days. They've successfully clamped down on the population. You know, you, you pick your totalitarian regime. You see what's happening in, in uh, Myanmar or uh, various the, the horrors in Cambodia and that sort of thing where ethnic minorities are being slaughtered and hounded out or whatever. You get a good, effective police state, and they, they clamp down. It takes utter brutality, but I guess the Russians are thinking, no, we can get that done. Well, it brings it brings it back to the question the whole world is asking then and and wrestling with, I think. So now that we know this, um, that uh, to use a flippant phrase over something that's so horrible, uh, seeing all these mutilated, burned bodies and finding about all the torture and murder that's been going on for the last month in Ukraine, that's not a bug; it's a feature. Now that we know yeah. it's a it's the plan going forward and if russia wins they're going to do this to millions of people now that we know that how does nato well you're sorry you're not a nato country so uh, i guess you're just uh bad luck for you not being a nato country i know you want to be a nato country but we didn't think your military is good enough turns out you are but anyway uh sorry about that i mean does that the way the world reacts to yeah. a planned exterminate so it sounds to me like Zelensky's a lot closer to right than i was saying last hour of it being a genocide that's a, that's genocide talk, isn't it? We have to eliminate all these yeah. people until they give up on the idea of it's a country? Oh, yeah, we're going to do absolutely everything it takes until they're on their knees. I mean, that's not necessarily genocide, but it's like it. Yeah, and, and in answer to your NATO question, it is literally not our problem, is the response. 
It's our problem is humanity. There are indirect threats to the rest of Europe, to NATO, if Russia decides they want even more territory, but we don't think they will. So it's not really our problem. It is so 1930s well, rec- played out again. I recognize completely there are these, there are, these are not easy answers or easy decisions, but I can certainly understand Zelensky going to the U.N. today and, and saying what he basically said is, what are you for? What is the point of this organization? If it is now known, we've seen the pictures of what they've done. We now have the paperwork to show that this is the plan going forward if they win. What is UN, the UN for if you don't get in the way of this? If you don't stop a giant, one of the most powerful countries on earth from murdering millions of people in a smaller, weaker country, then why don't you all just go home? You know what the UN is? The UN is a very small person or very small animal. But the light is up close to it, and so it casts this giant shadow. And the little animal starts to think it's the shadow. The UN is a conceit. It's a modestly successful, sort of effective charitable organization that struts around pretending that it's the uh, arbiter and the police force of good in the world and peace and prosperity. It's nothing like that. Please, it's a little punk. As W. Bush with an once, enormous budget, as W. Bush once called them, a meaningless debating society. Pretty much, man. That is a that's a conundrum for the world. That is a rough one right there. Now that we know what the intent is, how can you allow Russia to win? Oof, brutal. Armstrong and Getty. This is CBS Eye on the World. I'm John Batchelor with Colonel Jeff McCausland, CBS News, a U.S. Army War veteran, a veteran of the Gulf Wars a veteran of understanding disciplined armies and moving in a hostile landscape. He's at Dickinson College. He's also the CEO of Diamond Six Leadership and Strategy. We come now to the revelation so far early of what appear to be war crimes. The Prime Minister of Great Britain, the President of France, the President of the United States have all used this language. I'm not looking to prosecute. I'm looking to learn from what I've been told of a correspondent who's visited these villages. Jeff, the the bodies immediately come up and are appalling. But there's another detail that I've learned. The houses in Irpin and Bucha and the facilities at the Hustomal airfield, which was the target of the Russians on the first night, plundered, ripped apart. Everything that can that can be taken and stolen is gone. Whole houses are torn into pieces so that my correspondent Mohammed al-Qasim had a conversation with the family coming back to their house. They'd been in Kiev uh, the time during when they, when Irpin or Bucha was occupied. Their house was just ransacked. There was nothing left. Now, what does this mean about the Russian army that where you've, you've talked in past about how they have weak NCOs? Where are they putting these goods? They're stealing televisions, electronics, clothing, rugs, chairs, couches, everything. Yeah, John, this what it tells you this is a very ill-disciplined, poorly led force that may actually be conducting these kind of looting and, and aberrant killings uh, systematically. I remember when we invaded uh, Iraq back in 1991, I ended up on the highway between uh, Basra and Kuwait City, and I found uh, abandoned Iraqi vehicles that had everything, towels from the Hilton Hotel, Christmas lights, baby clothes, 
I, I captured a, re, a bunch of Republican Guard officers who were trying to escape in a stolen Mercedes, and one guy had six watches on one arm. This is called thievery, and this is a direct violation of the rules of warfare, number one, and tells you that they have crossed the line in many cases from what I would call an organized, disciplined, professional military force conducting military combat operation consistent with the laws of land warfare to being close to being an armed mob. But that armed mob may be encouraged to take these actions at time, I think, by the Russians as a more systematic matter to terrorize the population. It also may be a fraction, quite frankly, of their poor supply capabilities. The Russian soldiers are now forced to try to loot for food, loot for anything they can drink, anything they can use to take care of themselves, because the Russian military resupply system is so hopelessly broke, it can't supply the force that it's now deploying to combat. One other anecdote I was given at Hostomel Airfield, which was the target of the Russian special forces the first and second night. A battle was fought over this airfield back and forth for days. At the part of the airfield that my correspondent believes was the Russian headquarters, sandbagged up, windows defended. It was a mess. The Russians cleaned up nothing. They ate there. There, there was food. There was unopened boxes of ordnance. There were weapons left out in the open. In other words, they'd policed nothing. They'd lived there for days and fought out of this place, and they'd left it in a hurry with their pots all askew. Again, I understand ill discipline, but the officer class, when they take a look at that, is it, that suggests to me that there's no leadership whatsoever. There's well, you've you've called it a mob. They're marauders. Exactly right, John. And part of part of this is also reflecting other things. Think about the significant number of general officers that have been killed on the Russian side. To my mind, that reflects the fact that they are so centralized in authority. No one, you know, at lower levels gets to make a choice. They're just following orders. To use that old phrase from the Nuremberg trials. The general officers then are forced farther and farther forward on the front lines, making it more vulnerable for them being killed by either indirect fire or by, in some cases, Ukrainian special operations. And this is obviously accelerated by the poor performance they have on the battlefield where generals then are pushed forward to get things going. But we don't see, to my mind, much evidence of what I would call junior officers, non-commissioned officers doing their job to maintain discipline amongst the force, not only because it's the right thing to do consistent with those laws of warfare, but because it's the right thing to do tactically. Take care of your equipment, maintain your ammunition, recover that ammunition and weaponry if you have to withdraw from a particular place. No no reasonably well-trained military force from any country would have abandoned that particular position in the condition you described. And the final minute, Jeff, what does this tell you about the army that's in Ukraine compared to the army you trained to fight, that would be the Soviet army during the Cold War. We have about a minute. I think the Soviet army during the Cold War was far better than this one certainly appears to be. Uh, the Russians have invested an awful lot of money in modernizing with equipment, but I think a lot of that money may have been embezzled to oligarchs. And what they didn't invest in was the personal piece. How do we develop the leadership, non-commissioned officers and junior officers? And finally, of course, I think a lot of the terrorism we see in terms of killing civilians, destroying buildings, is systematic and a reflection of what the Russians did in Chechnya, in Idlib, and Aleppo, in trying to kill civilians or terrorize them to secure their rear as they move through an area, ensure they would not be attacked behind and push the civilians out of the area. This is systematic and not aberrant behavior. Colonel Jeff McCausland, CBS News, I'm John Bash. 
You're listening to CBS Eye on the World with John Batchelor. Folks, do I seem excited? I'm very excited because we have our dear friend, Mike Lindell, as my guest. Mike, God bless you, my friend. Thanks for coming on. Eric, thanks for having me. I want to know uh, everything. What is the update? You're working behind the scenes. I tell people this all the time. And so it's great to get you on to find out what is what is cooking. So what is happening? Well, the biggest thing right now, guys, uh, is uh, for seven months since the Cyber Symposium, uh, one of the things that was uh, was revealed there that uh, the great Tina Peters, a county uh, county clerk in uh, a clerk in Mesa County, Colorado, had done a backup of the Dominion machines of her machines for uh, from the 2020 election and from another down ticket election. She had backed up her information like they're supposed to do, like if you would back up your own computer, Eric. Well, anyway, we did seven months. I wanted to release it all right away. But the lawyers and the cyber guys, and they needed more time. So as of two weeks ago, everybody, the third report, which is posted on Frank's speech, they came out with this huge report, stuff you and I can't read, Eric, that all these hashes and these, this, uh, you know, tech stuff and this verbiage. And I, I read it, and I'm understanding that the, the gist of it is they manipulated and changed votes in the 2020 election from Trump to Biden. And also this and these down tickets. Well, um, so I said, you know what? Let's just release everything, everything that she backed up. And we released it. We've had 1.2 million downloads, everybody, from cyber people that have looked at it and said, including the Facebook fact checkers, said, wow, it's all there. We now now know what they, we now know what they're hiding. The reason... Part of what makes this difficult, okay, is that I never had any doubt because I've been involved with you for the longest time talking about this, that this stuff is true. I'm happy that we now have this kind of evidence. We've had all of the kinds of evidence. So the question I think my listeners are asking is, okay, we believe it. What what happens now? How do we force people? that's, That's the great news, Eric. That's the great news. By the way. Having what's inside there now, remember, everybody, I've had the 30-some terabytes from uh, that were t- videos that were taken inside the machines from the second uh, November 2nd to no- November 6th. Now you can actually marry the two together. But what we're doing, everybody, is um, we're doing, they're called preliminary injunction. Based on this, we're going to eight states first. We're going to go to all 50 states, but we're starting with eight. Next week, Arizona is first on the list. There's Arizona, uh, Colorado, Minnesota, South Dakota, Wisconsin, Alabama, Texas, and Louisiana. Now, we're starting with Arizona, and we're going to get to all 50, including Alaska and Hawaii, before this, before the 2022 election. These are preliminary injunctions, everybody, under Section 42-US-1983. How's that, Eric? Boy, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a lawyer now. You're, you're going to be a, <laughs> so, a super so this expert. Is, uh, the plaintiffs, everybody, like in Arizona, we'll just start with that. It's the voters. Anybody that voted, any anybody that voted, we've got specific, we've got officials down, um, government officials that are getting on board on this in Arizona. What the relief is, is everybody ready for this? Here is the relief. 
These machines are defective. They can't give you ever a fair election. In history, they can't. It doesn't matter if you make blockchain and all this stuff that they tell you about. It gets rid of the machines in the 2022 election and beyond forever. We have a replacement system, Eric, that's been developed by ex-military and IT people so smart. It's unbelievable. This replacement system is paper, but not just any paper. It's better than money. This, it's, it's got minerals on there. They're all, for every county, they're, they're sequential, but, the, but they're hit. So you have a sequence, but they're all hit. You don't know. I don't know that Eric Metaxa has this particular number. Now you bring it in, you vote. This paper can't be copied, trust me. Then when you do it, that day when you do your hand count, it's under cameras. Where's the best security in the world? Casinos. I lived it for years being a card counter. That technology that they have now, we're all going to be able to watch from home as they do their count. That, incidentally, will be the audit forever preserved. Now, when it's finally the night of the election, and by the way, everyone says, well, Mike, that's going to take forever to hand count. We checked with France, who's done it since the 1970s. We perfected it. We've done time studies, even at my own company. That's what we do. No, you're going to have this will be faster than those machines. And, and and so when you're done with that, you've got your count. You got you do have to hire more people. What a concept rather than machines. People. OK, so we get the people. Now, when it finally goes up to the Internet, your audit's done everything. When that goes on the Internet the night of the election, guess what? You'll be able to look at your phone, Eric, just like you do a concert ticket. If we, you know, if you and I both have a concert ticket on our phone and it's identical, only one of us is getting into the concert. So I pop up my ticket. And I go, look at that. I voted for Donald Trump. I voted for XXXX. It's beautiful. And, and you know, they did, they did this in reverse. In the 2020 election, these criminals, I'm going to call them, I, call, I don't call it election integrity. I call it election crime. What these, a lot of these states did, these secretary of states, they went in and said, oh, we got a China virus. Let's dump 7 million ballots out to the people. That's what they did in Michigan. They broke laws, but as they brought them up, the attorney generals did not, they go, oh, oh, that sounds good. Well, they didn't ask the legislatures, Eric. That's what they had to do. So they broke laws. They broke our constitution. Now, all we're asking the states with these preliminary injunctions is to say, hey, We are in an emergency situation. Look what's inside these machines. Look what they did to our election. You can't argue this now. It's 100% what we've known all along. Here it is. The cat's out of the bag. The cows are out of the barn. It's too late to close the gate. So we say, hey, we need to get rid of all these machines. No electronics ever, ever again in any election in history of the United States. And for that matter, the world will follow suit. That's how we get our country back. And that's how we get. And we, we know we also have to have great um, politicians ready to go that have the people's back. That's why I'm down in Mar-a-Lago right now. Um, um, you know, I endorse Carrie Lake and we're doing I'm doing a speech for her tonight with our great real president, Donald Trump. And uh, and this is where we're at, Eric. We're at a place where these are all we're not going to let all of this hard work, the campaigns now, we're not going to let them all go in vain. And all the work that was done in Arizona and across this country, where these people worked hard to do audits and everything, and they show all the evidence and nothing gets done. We're not going to let it happen. Now, remind me, who is Carrie Lake? What state is she from? 
She's from Arizona, and she was an ex-Fox employee. She worked for Fox. You know, remember, Fox doesn't talk. She got tired of not being able to put to speak about things. So she said, you know what? I'm going to run for governor of Arizona against, uh, you know, remember, they had their, their horrible governor, Doug Ducey. Remember, everybody, there's not just uh, horrible, evil Democrats, secretary of states and governors that came to light during this. We also have very bad Republicans and not just rhinos. I call there's a lot of them are criminal and and uh, where Doug falls in that category. What he did in Arizona, it started with him when he when he turned over those electors in Arizona, when there was 10 hours more of evidence to be shown and he didn't care, he said, we're turning it. Nothing to see here in Arizona, you know. Those guys, those patriots down in Arizona, they just keep on going. Eric, you've seen the attorney general down there came out with a report yesterday. Uh, the attorney general of Arizona came out with a report, gave it to blocker Karen Fan, who's president of the Senate there, and said, hey, look at all this evidence. Look at your own thing that came out of Maricopa County. And it, it validated it's uh, everything I've been fighting for and others have been fighting for. This has been the month of the last four weeks of validation um and it's just yep here we are here it is guys we knew it like you said we knew it all along eric we've known it for everyone everybody has really known it but more and more people every day this has been god's timing as you know five days ago real clear politics came out with a poll here it is everybody 34 percent of democrats now believe in a poll by a very recognized company real clear politics that the election was stole, the 2020 election was stole, and most of them say how? By computers, by machines. You inflate the voter rolls, you use their names, and you type in the winners. This was called the selected election. They did everything, Mike. That's what's so amazing is that yeah. they did absolutely everything from stuffing the ballot boxes to monkeying with the machines. Whatever they could do, they, they did. did. It is criminal. It is absolutely criminal. And by the grace of God, uh, we're getting to the bottom of it. Thanks to people like you. I still can't get over your energy, your persistence, your courage in this. Uh, I talk about you all the time. I cannot get over that there are a handful of people that have been at the forefront of this, putting their own money into this. Um, We're going to be right back, folks. Another segment. We're talking to our friend Mike Lindell. It's the Eric Metaxas Show. Don't go away. And the downhill run to Papa Ede. Off the wind on this heading line, the Marquesas. You got 80 feet of a water line. Nice to make way in a noisy bar. Folks, welcome back. We're talking to our friend, Mike Lindell. Mike, what else do we need to know? Well, there's two things I'm going to tell you about. The one is I want to thank all your listeners, all your watchers, all the people that watch your show for supporting my pillow, because here it is, people. Yet another attack. I was just sued. I did a speech at the Capitol of Colorado speaking out for this election crimes of 2020. And here they served me papers from Eric Coomer, one of the higher ups of Dominion, sued my pillow, my pillow and Frank's speech. He did, they do not want my voice out there. And, and that also, Eric, 
12 TV stations. Now, granted, they're smaller stations. Just notified me and said, um, we don't want you to be in the My Pillow commercials anymore. You can have, we'll take your commercials, but we don't want your face in it, Mike Lindell. Now, you think they don't want anyone out there hearing about what I have to say, Eric? It's disgusting. I want to thank your, your listeners, watchers, for all the support you've given me over the last year. My employees, thank you. And uh, using your promo code, Eric, and I'm, I, I just got to put that out there for you because. Well, listen, I say to my audience, if you want to support Mike, and I hope you do, go to MyPillow.com and MyStore.com and spend money there. And if you want to support this program, use the code Eric. We've got to help each other because we are yep. living in crazy, crazy That's times. Right. There's just a handful and, of people sticking up. Yep. And I want to tell you one more thing, everybody. This is very important. I want what I just told you about all the preliminary injunctions and stuff we're doing. This one here is totally separate. Uh, this one here is, is so, so important because it's at a federal level and it's where they want to take us. But I'm going to explain something real quick here. Um, I've got, met with five commissioners, in the middle, some in the middle of the night. They're whistleblowers. They were scared because they seen something that they could not believe. Our, back in the mid-2000s, uh, um, um, Chuck Schumer and Obama put a bill through that made our overseas military and their families to email in their vote. So here's where it goes, everybody. I want to follow what they do. Um, when you're overseas, you have 45 days now to, to mail, get a real ballot and get your ballot back and mail it in. Now, that's no longer the case. There's no check of ID, okay? And the 2020 election now, they, you, you text in, you say, or you email and say, I'd like a, I would like a ballot. Boom, it gets emailed to you. You fill it out, it gets emailed back. Where to? The machine companies. Now, they distribute it all out to every county in the United States. I have been to five states now and met with five different uh, commissioners in these states that actually did the counts the night of the election. Here's what it is, everybody. You ready for this? The night of the election, I'm going to give you one example of a county in Alabama. They normally get five overseas votes. They got 255 ballots from military. Of the 255, when they print them out, you hit a button, it prints it out on typing paper. Two people count it. They went, what is this? 100%, all 255 were for Joe Biden. Now You're in Alabama. It, this was one county in Alabama. In, in, it was in uh, Arizona. 8,000-some ballots were for Biden in the, in the Maricopa audit. Other three states, what we've been to, what the bottom line is, everyone we've found so far, they're all been, you voted overseas by email, your vote went to Joe Biden. And I, there's 890,000 of these emailed in votes. Now, if you did a real ballot, we're finding if you did a real ballot, they were for Trump. So, they, But there was very few, maybe less than 3%. So what they did, Eric, is they they... 890,000 votes that were done by email that with one flip of a button go to Biden. That flips all five states back to Donald Trump. But I have never heard this military. before. This is, I mean, the level of fraud, any one of, of these ways of cheating right, yes. flips the election to Joe Biden. Right. And we have three and four different ways that this That's was correct. done. So we're going to do it. We're going to do it. I'm getting uh, getting more information together, more states. I want to do a massive lawsuit against the federal government. This is on the federal level. This is what they want to do to our whole United States, where you email and text in your vote. 
They did it in three counties in Utah to, to, for a test pilot and they, where you just emailed in your vote. I mean, where do, where do we go from here if, they, if that's the case? But I want to get this overturn in the federal government suit. 890,000. These people served our country over there and, and their vote goes in and it's just and no identification, no nothing. It is so wicked. It's the kind of thing you you wouldn't dream that this could happen in the United no. States of America, that this country has been stolen. The voice yeah. of the American people has been stolen by wicked, wicked, anti-American people. And if you don't speak up, folks, if you don't become Mike Lindell in your world and speak against this stuff, you've become part of the problem. We have a duty to do for, for those who've died for freedom. Yeah. Um, I think of my old parents coming from countries where they didn't have freedom and they would go and stand in line to vote in Danbury, Connecticut. Their votes and the votes of all those people who waited in line have been nullified because of criminals. If that doesn't upset you, you're dead inside. You're cynical. It's not okay to be cynical. You need to be hopeful and proactive. Right. And I want to say one more thing. Yeah, you can't save your courage for a rainy day because it's pouring outside. But I will say this. If you're a Republican, if you're a legislature in this country and you have sat back and been part of this cover up, I'm telling you now, I promise you, your name will go down. You will be labeled either a hero or a traitor. There's going to be nothing in between this time. This is for all the marbles. This is for everything. All right. So now is the time, folks. We're, We're out of time. But now is the time to speak up. If you know anything, you better speak up now. Mike Lindell, our friend. Patriot hero. God bless you, my friend. Thank you. Thank you, Eric. God bless. Come blow your horn. Make like a Mr. Mumbles and you're a zero. Make like a Mr. Big, they dig a hole.